Welcome to Broken Potholes with your host Sam Stone, my co-host Chuck Warren, often sunny, humid, but well-governed Florida today. Gotta gotta like what Ron DeSantis has been doing. He has really been, he's been killing it. Uh, You know, a lot of governors talk the talk, he's been walking the walk, and he can explain it while he walks. He can walk and talk at the same time, maybe even chew gum. The skill that seems to be in short supply in politics. That's the truth. Yeah, absolutely. In studio with us today, we have uh, some very good guests lined up. But first with us, and I'm real eager to talk to him this morning. As you know, folks, Broken Potholes is recorded on a Friday. We air on Saturday, 3 p.m., 960 KKNT The Patriot. You can find us on Substack, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those good places. We got a guest who's pretty relevant to the moment here. Someone who's also running for office in Arizona. So Alex Colladen, Colladen, am I saying it right? I want to make sure. Colladen, but everybody butchers it, so who cares? Yeah, you know, I keep thanking my parents for this one because like nobody gets Sam Stone wrong. I don't know how that works, right? It's good, but but hey, I like to hear the creativity and the permutations. You know, otherwise it gets boring (laughs) to hear your own name over and over again, right? So, Alex, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, but you have a really unique background, uh, frankly, that is relevant to this moment and to the actions Joe Biden took yesterday with his vaccine mandate. Um, You are so you're running for office. Tell us what you're running for. So I'm running for state house in LD 23 or what's now LD 23. They may give it another number. Scottsdale, Fountain Hills, Rio Verde. Uh, Gorgeous area. Oh, it is. It is beautiful. I love it so much. And and kind of a tough area for Republicans. A little bit of a shift in there the last couple of years. There there has been. You know, the margins of victory have been getting narrower and narrower. It's still considered a fairly solid conservative district uh, and one that the Republican nominee should win. So it's very important, obviously, who that nominee is. Yeah. And folks, I mean, you know, here in Arizona or across the country, Pay attention to these local legislative races. I know the president's, you know, the president's important. Congress, U.S. Senate, those are important things. Your attorney general, valuable guy or gal. But you know what? Your state house is going to dictate a lot of what really happens in your life. Yeah. And I think people don't know this. I think a lot of members of the legislature don't know this. But when the founders put together our constitutional structure, when they put together our federal structure under the Constitution, they gave the most power out of any organ of government to the state legislatures, right? And increasingly, you know, over the past decades and centuries, state legislatures have found it convenient sometimes to say, oh, this isn't in our wheelhouse, you know, you have to talk to the governor, you have to talk to the federal government, you know, to address these issues in your lives, we can't do it, so sorry, and dodge and deflect. But there's very little excuse for that in the state house because truly, we have all the power. Absolutely. So, now tell us a little bit more about your background, too, because... You sound like you might even be a Goldwater type guy. Here. I I was I was a Reagan fellow back at the Goldwater Institute uh, when I was in law school. Got to work under uh, then uh, Clint Bullock and now Justice Bullock, and learned a lot about how the law can be used uh, to advance liberty. And um, <clears throat> been doing election and political related law uh, since about 2014. Uh, and actually, my very first trial. 
was an election integrity trial. We represented a group of Republicans and Democrats down in Santa Cruz County uh, that were concerned that the Board of Supervisors down there might have been accessing data on the election tabulator system uh, when they shouldn't have been. It was one of the first cases in Arizona that established uh, that the data on the election machines is actually public record, to which the public is authorized to have access to. That's pretty key yeah. for the current ongoing audit. Oh, it, it, it was it I mean, was that very precedent key. is yeah, and in fact, uh, the Democrat w- who was our client there was John Brakey, who is the Democrats' legal or is the Democrats' advisor to the audit, uh, and one of the deputy Senate liaisons over there. So it's it's kind of funny how the world comes around. But we were very very involved in the election litigation in 2020. We represented uh, President Trump's full slate of Arizona electors in a decertification challenge, uh, and we represented and defended the audit. Uh, have represented the AZGOP in election integrity issues. So this is an issue uh, that is near and dear to my heart. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people, they run for state, they, they run for state legislature, they're in state legislature, and they say, I'm a solid conservative, right? Um, and, and a lot of them are telling you the truth, right? We do have a lot of really good conservatives down in the state legislature. Here's my, here's my pitch, right? Here's my value add, is people wonder, if we've got good conservatives down at the state legislature, how come that when they try to change the law to bring about conservative principles, how come it doesn't work, right? How, how, how come we don't get what we should have with a Republican majority legislature? And that's where I come in, right? Because I understand how to write a law that works. And I also understand the tools that are available to members of the state legislature. I'll give you an example. Um, I had a lot of conversations as a private citizen, not as a lawyer, but as a private citizen with uh, Senator Borelli. Uh, and I, I turned him on to this fact uh, that, uh, that each member of the legislature, any single one, has the power to ask the attorney general to investigate a county's alleged violation of state law. And if the uh, attorney general concludes that the county has violated state shared law, that the attorney general must withhold state-shared funds. And I was happy to see, fairly recently, he wrote such a letter, and the attorney general reached such a conclusion, and now the county is either going to have to hand over the routers, which they've been illegally withholding, or they're going to lose $700 million. So that brings the audit one step closer to completion. And that's a really important legal principle, because it's also been used just this week, I think, by Attorney General Brnovich, in regards to Tucson's vaccine mandate. Yes, ex- exactly right. Uh, you know, and it's so important because people say, and, and look, I don't think we're going to be in the minority. I think we're going to get an expanded majority for a couple reasons. One, I've never seen the base so fired up. Every grassroots event, event I go to, every group has doubled the number of membership and they're three times as angry. Uh, and so, so I think we're going to expand the majority just for that reason. We're going to do better on redistricting because we can't possibly do worse than we did 10 years ago. No, we, we, got, yeah. we got gerrymandered as badly as any state in the country. Yeah. There was a member basically of the Green Party that drew the maps. So, you know, you know, so 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 we're going to have an expanded majority for that reason. But people but people ask, you know, too. well, you know, Alex, you know, that's all good. If you're right, you're in the majority. But if you're in the minority, you know, what good can you do? And I I point to tools like that and I go, as a member of the legislature, you still have power, right? You still have these things that you can do. It's not as much as a majority, but there are things you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We touched on the vaccine mandate in Tucson. We had the AG, I think, early yesterday, or was it the day before, send a letter to Tucson, and they quickly backed down from their mandate. Then we had Joe Biden step in. 
Yes. I, I you want to talk about mad I, and I was sitting there literally gritting my teeth when I read that fury pouring through my veins and folks, I'm vaccinated. I went and got the shot because I made that decision for myself. But no one was going to tell me to go do that or force it on me. And nobody should be forced to make a medical decision like that by the government. What do you see in this law? I mean, is this thing going to stand? You know, I I would like to say that it shouldn't stand. uh, And I know it will be challenged. The RNC already said they're going to challenge it. I believe it won't stand. I believe those challenges will be successful. Uh, but it's but it's just one symptom of a larger problem, right? And this is the larger problem of the federal government deciding that it should have absolute authority. I mean, I have clients who have been reported to the DOJ and the FBI purely for things that they said uh, by high-level Democrats like Katie Hobbs, right, who have said, you need to investigate it, what your client just said is a crime. And they send it, of course, to the Justice Department because they know it's run by Democrats. And one day, you know, they are going to come down and start criminalizing pure speech. Just another example, right? Um, and this is why, and I'm a civics teacher, so I nerd out about this stuff a little bit. You'll, you'll notice I talk about it, is this is why we have states, okay? The states exist for one reason, Okay, and it's not to make it's not to build the roads, not even to fill potholes. States exist to stand between the federal government and their citizens and raise the shield of liberty to fight back and to protect their citizens and ensure that they remain free. And I can assure you in the state legislature, if the federal government does things like this, we're going to push things to the max. And again, I'm a lawyer. I know what tools to use. There's tools like anti-commandeering, right? The federal government has very little enforcement power, right? They don't have a lot of federal police. There's no federal police force. There's the FBI or whatever. There's not that many people who work for them, right? To, to, for the federal government to enforce their laws, they need the state. We can withdraw that help. And we can say, you've made your law, Mr. Biden. Now come and enforce it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I will do. I love it. Love it. Now, I mean, that's what we need right now. You need legislatures. And you brought up another point about an all-powerful federal government, but even scarier than that, because the U.S. Congress has abdicated much of its responsibility for actually legislating, mm-hmm. and, and I blame the Congress for that, presidents, one after another, have become more and more powerful. The executive branch has taken on greater authorities that it was never intended to have. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you go back... One of the things that I really appreciated about Donald Trump, frankly, was that he kept sending these things back to Congress, whether it was border issues or other things, and they kept dropping the ball. They refused to pick it up. Mm -hmm. And so everyone calling him a tyrant or a dictator, you're exactly wrong on that front, right? And, And then later in his term, he did make some of those executive decisions and push it because Congress continues to fail to act. And I think there's been an element of that in our legislature here also where they've left too much to the governor. I mean, would you agree? And I like Doug Ducey. I'm not – I disagree with him on some things. I think some things could have been done better the last couple of years. But I look, said it before, say it again. I'll take Doug Ducey over any Democrat governor in the country every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. No question. 
right? But this is something that is critically important for our legislature to be considering going forward is that we need people who are going to step up, who know the law, and who are willing to fight for it and to assert the role of the legislature, which is the body that represents the people most directly. Am am I wrong about any of that, Alex? No. And the reason that the legislature steps up and should push back against things like the way that the governor handles the pandemic is not because Governor Ducey is a good or bad guy. It's because the founders realize no person should ever be trusted with absolute power. Well, I'm going to let that go as the final word. Broken Potholes is coming right back. The political field is all about reputation, so don't let someone squash yours online. Secure your name and political future with a yourname.vote web address from GoDaddy.com. Your political career depends on it. Welcome back to Broken Potholes. I'm your host, Sam Stone, co-host Chuck Warren, off and out of the office today, but in studio with us, Alex Culloden. Candidate for the Arizona State Legislature. State House, yep. State House. And doing some pretty important work, legal work right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So we just uh, got America's Frontline Doctors as a client. Now, for, yeah. for folks who don't know, who are America's Frontline Doctors? So America's Frontline Doctors are a group of physicians uh, that have gotten together to say, hey, look, vaccines are a question of uh, individual liberty and conscience, and we are opposed to mandates, right? It's very simple, uh, but it's powerful coming from physicians. But, but they're also a group that has pushed treating covid Yes. Rather than, I mean, one of the things that I, I've really objected to throughout the, the, the whole pandemic has been that a lot of hospitals, a lot of medical institutions, and a lot of doctors have acted like there is no treatment for COVID. That it's go home, wait till you get sick enough to be brought to the hospital and put on a ventilator, and then we'll see what happens. But that's not actually the case. You can treat this. And America's frontline doctors were on the front line saying you could do that, right? They, they were. Yes, they were. You know, and it's one of those things where, you know, we talk about the medical science and I always tell people, it's like, I'm a lawyer. Okay. I know a lot about the law. I don't know very much about anything else. Okay. You know, uh, and the reason that you have a member of the legislature is not to go in there and be some all wise subject matter expert that passes definitive judgment on the medical science. Right. You know, I don't know about you know, what treatments work, what don't. I'm not qualified to know, right? And that's not a bad thing. That is humility, right? That the government is not assessed, is not equipped to make these determinations for individuals. It's up to doctors and patients to decide what is best for what is best for the patient, right? And that's where the decision about things like what, how are we going to treat your illness? Uh, what vaccine are you going to take? That's where those decisions need to be made. Yeah, absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit about the, the, the lawsuit you're involved in right now, or what, what is the legal action that is being taken against them and by them? 
Well, so the lawsuit we're involved in right now is with a related group called Health Freedom Defense Fund, right? That's the Phoenix Union mass case. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what America's Frontline Doctors is looking at, obviously, is challenges to vaccine mandates more generally. I can't go into it much more than that at this point, except to say uh, that it is something that we're looking at closely and working on very closely. And I'm really, really glad to know there are people like you that are fighting for them and with them because they're doctors just like you. They have their limitations, and the law is probably one of them. My, my physician doesn't know anything about the law. He certainly knows a lot about treating patients. Right. So it's really, really important work that you're doing right now, Alex. I want to thank you for that. Most welcome. Where can people learn more about you and what you're doing, your campaign? So people can learn more about us on our website, www.alexforaz.com, www.alexforaz.com. You can go there. Is it F-O-R or the number four? F-O-R. So A-L-E-X-F-O-R-A-Z. It's a good website, that, man. That is. You know, I like I like simplicity. I like parsimony. And so, you know, we need your help, right? We need your help to sign our nominating petition. And we need your help financially. I'm, I'm putting in a lot of my own money into this race. But the establishment is already lining up candidates, you know. And we know that, that Katie Hobbs uh, and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, there is nobody, nobody that they would less like to see in this seat than I am. And I can't do it all myself. So I need... I need you to go to my website. I need you to sign my petition. I need you to sign up to volunteer. I need you, you know, if you believe that I can serve you well to cut to cut a check for whatever you're able so that I can take the fight to our, you know, to our opponents, because I will be the Democrats worst nightmare. I need your help to get into their dreams. You know, we have we have obviously we play on the radio here in Phoenix, Arizona on Saturdays. But we also have a lot of listeners around the country. And I think one of the things that a lot of folks don't understand is that starting back in 2004, Democrats stopped fighting each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really have not had competitive primaries since 2002 anywhere, unless it's like a Bernie Sanders who kind of comes out of nowhere, uh, you know, and doesn't have any support of the Democrat establishment. What they did was take all that money they were using to fight each other, and they created something they called a blueprint. They wrote a book yep. about it mm-hmm. uh, in Colorado, and uh, Colorado, which was a light red state at that time, uh, where you had a Republican governor. One of the two U.S. senators were Republican, uh, Republican majority in Congress and, and state house and that sort of thing, and they wiped it out. Mm-hmm. They poured that California money, that New York money, in those races. Yep, and then. They moved on. 2012, really, 2008, 2012, they started moving real hard on Nevada. Mm-hmm. Nevada, same story, was a light red state. Now it's blue. And we're next. Arizona's next. And that's what we've seen. And so, folks, if you're out there, if you are in one of those big blue states where you cannot influence your race, When you're not going to be able to choose who your governor is and you know it, when you're not going to be able to choose your legislature and you know it, you need to be looking at races in places like Arizona and guys like Alex that you can put some money into. Because if some folks, if we start doing what they do, we can compete. But if you look at this last cycle, Alex, our candidates were outspent, what, like three to one across the board? And we still managed to hold on and, and keep the state house and the state senate by one seat. Yes. But we, we got buried in, a, in an avalanche cash. And guess what? The second wave is coming. It's coming. And I know that if the Democrats perceive that there is any opportunity that they can take this district, 
uh, they they will target it, right? They they have targeted districts with well over a million dollars of national money, and they're going to want to take me out because they know I'm effective, and they don't want that in the legislature. No, they, strong conservatives, especially those who understand the principles of conservatism and understand government and how it works, are their worst nightmare. They don't want you anywhere near that thing. If they they want any Republican, they want to squish. Yeah, exactly. They want somebody who can who can be bought, somebody who can be uh, flattered and and you know made to made to vacillate from the from the interests of our constituents. Uh, you know, I've shown time and time again and have taken significant personal risks to bring some of our cases on behalf of the president. You know, we have the bar after us uh, for for filing uh, an election challenge, which we believed that we had every every right to do to represent. Uh, the voice of the people and and the good evidence that we believe that we have, uh, and uh, and we didn't back down, right? We didn't back down, even though there was great personal risk. That is the same approach I will take uh, to the state legislature. You can trust me to stand fast because I have stood fast. I actually think that's maybe one of the most important characteristics in office holders, especially on the you know on the Republican side right now, is that you know, you're going to get attacked. You're going to get called every name in the book. You're going to get called a racist. You're going to get called a murderer. You're going to get called everything they can think of because you believe in liberty, yep. because you don't believe the government should dictate every element of our lives. And it takes it takes moral courage. It takes strength to stand up to that. I mean, it doesn't it? It is not easy. It, 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 it is not easy, especially when you're like me. You've got a you've got a young family. You've got a little baby at home, and not just you know the threats to your personal career, but we've gotten death threats in our office. Uh, you know, we've gotten calls in the middle of the night, uh, and it's hard. But liberty is worth it. Absolutely. I mean, look, this is coming from a guy I've had sit downs with the Phoenix Police Department talking about the threats that have come in for us as well. Yeah. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we understand each other very well. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, folks, it's a great conversation we're having. We're going to continue with Alex Culloden coming back on the next segment, Broken Potholes. We'll be right back. The 2020 political field was intense, so don't get left behind in 2021. If you're running for political office, the first thing on your to-do list needs to be securing your name on the web with a yourname.vote domain from GoDaddy. Get yours now. Welcome back to Broken Potholes with your host Sam Stone, my co-host Chuck Warren out of the studio today, and with us Alex Culloden, candidate, I'm tripping over my tongue today, candidate for... The Arizona State House has been a really one of the leading legal lights in Arizona fighting for the audit, fighting for freedom, fighting for, you know, this against these vaccine mandates, the mass mandates, all these things. You stood up to defend those things. But I want to bring up one other thing that's really important for Arizona voters right now. And I think it's top of mind. The border. Mm hmm. I mean, because this is an un folks, a lot of folks living around the country are not going to understand what it is like here in Arizona or in these border states. But this is a crisis of unbelievable proportions. It is a humanitarian crisis for the people that are being these folks, these migrants, they're being trafficked. They're being used. They're being abused. They're being raped. They're being, you know, imprisoned and sold for ransom. And somehow the Biden administration is okay with that. 
Alex, what do you see going on there? What can we do? So this is another one of those areas where state legislatures have historically said, well, gosh, guys, we'd really like to do something, but gee whiz, you know, it's a federal issue. Um, I don't believe that, right? Again, I believe states exist to protect their people. And as the Biden administration has shown, and as we've seen time and time again, we cannot trust the federal government to do this for us. We will not always have a Trump in office. And we need to, as a state, defend our own border. And you ask, well, Alex, how do you do that? Because haven't the courts said immigration is a federal issue? Yeah, uh, they have. But there's a lot of other issues that the courts have said are not federal issues. And I look at Texas and I say, look at what they've done at the border. OK, you know, we're not going to force immigration law, but we're sure as heck going to send cops down there to stop people from trespassing across private land as they illegally immigrate. And when mm-hmm. they do that, we're going to arrest them. Right. And if our state gets a reputation as a really hard place to cross, they're going to go elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. So. For folks, I mean, drug trafficking—that's within the purview of the Arizona Department of Drugs, of, of Department of Public Safety, you right? You bet. Human trafficking. You bet. Absolutely. Okay, so they can enforce these laws, and we we don't have people coming here by themselves. They're being smuggled. They're being man- managed by these cartels. So we have a role in it, don't we? Yeah, sure. I mean, all, all sorts of things. Human trafficking, like you said, drug smuggling, RICO laws, uh, you know, th- no no end to it, right? We just have to go down there uh, and enforce it. And, and p- people say, well, you know, the courts could still, you know, try to stop it and say what you're really doing is immigration. And I say, one, we're going to craft the law as carefully as we can to avoid that happening. And two, I would rather be accused of trying and then having the court stop in me, then not trying at all. I'm going to try. I think we can I succeed and secure our own border. And I am not afraid to give that a whirl. <laughs> it's, it's worth it to stand up and take the swing. Amen. I agree. Absolutely. Alex, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I want to ask you real quick. You win this seat. What is your number one priority when you're going in there? What's that, what's that thing you're going after to accomplish right away? The number one priority is we have to secure our elections. I, I worked with Representative Bullock on a, on a wide-ranging election bill uh, that, would, that would put power over elections back in the hands of the legislature, that would require uh, counties uh, to keep track of the number of ballots, the type of ballots, a lot of other enforcement measures. But the number one thing we have to do on elections is get rid of machines. Send me in with a conservative wave. Give us the majority that we need, and we can fundamentally reform and overhaul our election system to ensure that every voter can have confidence that when they cast a ballot, that ballot is fairly and accurately counted. Oh, this is a, ladies and gentlemen, this is a man after my own heart right here. Because I've said for for years, you've got to get any machine that uses software out of the elections counting process, period. Because if it has software, it can be hacked, right? Yes, if it has software, if it can be connected to the internet, if it has a port, it can be hacked. It's just too dangerous to have them. And there are a bunch of countries that don't do that, right? They either hand count or they use analog counting machines for that reason. We used to not do that. We used to get together in our neighborhoods, we call them precincts, and count the votes with our neighbors. And we can do that again. There's no reason that if we did it in the past, we can't do it again. Absolutely correct. I have said from day one, if you want to secure elections, you do two things. You require voter ID and you get rid of the machines. That's it. Amen. Amen. Do those two things. We have a secure election, don't we? Yes, that's right. That's right.
It's not rocket science, folks, but it is important. Alex Culloden, I really want to thank you for being in studio thank with us so today. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. Uh, this has been a fantastic interview. Uh, we would love to have you back on in the future to talk about some more of this stuff. Love to be on. I, I think there's there's some synergy here, folks. Yeah, yeah. These, these small L libertarian Republicans. I know that's a dirty word, but we got to stick together. Fight for your fight for your freedom. Amen, brother. <laughs> Broken potholes coming back in just a moment. It's the new year and time for the new you. You've thought about running for political office, but don't know where to start. Before you start any planning, you need to secure your name online with a yourname.vote web domain. This means your constituents will know they are learning about the real you when they surf the web. Secure your domain from GoDaddy.com today. Welcome back to Broken Potholes with your host, Sam Stone, my co-host, Chuck Warren, off in sunny Florida today. Lucky ducky. But on the line with us, uh, former state representative, state of Arizona, Anthony Kern. Anthony, thank you for joining us and welcome to the program. For having me. And we are very excited because you are running for that office uh, again, Correct. Yes, uh, Arizona State Senate, actually, this time. So it's the other chamber. The other the chamber, higher chamber. The, the higher chamber. The kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and these are incredibly important seats, right? We have a one-vote majority in the House and the Senate. And yep. obviously redistricting will have something to do with that. <laughs> yes. But we need to hold every one of these seats, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah, the numbers matter. Uh, but I think uh, what matters even more is uh, election integrity. And so... Yeah, I know the voters out there, especially the Republican voters, are, are concerned about what happened in the 2020 election. So, yeah, we need every seat. Well, but, you know, Anthony, I want, I want to, you know, focus on that a little bit because, frankly, Democrats and the mainstream media are, are acting like this concern is exclusive to Republican voters. It might be exclusive to Republican voters in regards to this last election, right? But if we go back to 2016... You had something like 70 percent of Democrats who said the election was stolen up to and including uh, voter fraud and hacking. Right. Uh, exactly. And so, and then, so uh, yeah, just to add to that, um, you know, you, you've got the Democrats in 2016 saying the same thing the Republicans are saying right now and why we can't get on board uh, together as a, as Americans. I don't understand that, because if. If the Democrats in 2016 had half of the evidence that we have right now, uh, they would have been uh, probably been able to overturn the election uh, yeah. in 2016. So, you know, it's just ludicrous out there. And, and it's it's sad for our country that we can't get on board and at least look at, at, at what happened. Because if Biden won Arizona, hey, you know, then I'm 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 behind it. If, if Trump won, then we need to rethink what happened and how to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't understand why anyone would be against election integrity, because I think if you look at this country, having confidence, whether you like the result or not, that the result was legitimate, has to be the foundation of our republic, doesn't it? I mean, otherwise, otherwise, we are essentially a banana republic. 
yeah, we're a banana republic and money will buy votes and money will change elections and, you know, it's all about money and power. Uh, yeah, I don't understand why we can't get on the same page and just look at the evidence. I can't understand why we're fighting Republican boards of supervisors. I can't understand why the uh, National Republican Party isn't, uh, isn't you know, standing behind Karen Fan on some of these uh, press releases and, and pushing for this Mar- Maricopa County audit. There's a lot of things I can't understand. I don't understand why people aren't going to jail for not uh, get, turning over the, the routers. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. You know, I, I think they want to sweep it under the rug, just like Joe Biden's doing with the vaccine mandates right now. He's mm-hmm. trying to get Afghanistan off the radar. And, you know, I, I, I don't understand why we can't look at our country and try to fix it as opposed to stalling and uh, and these tactics that just... Uh, are becoming very divisive in our country. Well, it, you, you hit on a, an important point, because at the end of the day, an audit should not be a controversial thing. I mean, we should be doing regular audits of our election results, right? We should be doing, re- and, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, we do regular audits of our election results. Well, 3%, and if, if I remember correctly, we did a 3% audit on the Arizona election in 2020, and we found out there was, uh, I think, three or four ballots that went to Biden that should have went for Trump. So that was out of 100 ballots. So that's a 3% error rate right there. And if you take, you know, 2.1 million, there's, that's quite a few. That's probably enough to overturn the election here in Arizona. Yeah, But I, nobody's willing to do a 100% forensic audit. No, and I, I really think, I don't think it's anything, sorry to interrupt, but I don't think it's anything to... You know, nefarious on the board of supervisors, and I don't think it's anything that they they orchestrated or coordinated. I really think, knowing government for what it is, they're lazy, they're they're incompetent, and uh, you know, they're they're job secure. So uh, I don't. I, I mean, knowing what I know about government, whether it be federal, state, local, most of them, uh, you know, they go in, they 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 you know play poker on the computer and they go home um so i think they really got caught with their hair down never before has the 100 percent forensic audit been done and i just think that they don't want to answer questions that they're going to have to answer should we really get this audit you know out, out to the you know i i want to add something else on that front too because this is one of my issues with the the elections technology that we use I can guarantee you, because I know them, that there is not a single member of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors who knows how to code. Right. Right? I mean, I don't know how right. to code. Do you? No. Do not know how to code. I don't know what percentage of our American population does, but it's got to be less than 1%, right? Right. Yep. And so if, if you continue to use these software-based machines... What you're saying is that there is less than 1% of this country that can ever have any confidence in our elections because unless you know how to code, you can't possibly say that you know whether a machine is counting accurately or not. Right. I 100% agree. And, and that's, what I, that's what I mean when I say the Board of Supervisors, I don't think, did anything you know, nefarious, you know, premeditated. But the fact that they're not turning over all of the evidence, it just it it uh, you know it just baffles me that you got. I'm sure they're all good people, but it baffles me that they're not wanting to get to the bottom of this. Even if they if we find that they made some pretty bad mistakes, I mean, come on, let's let's see what really happened. 
Um, I, I don't get it. The only way we can fix it, I believe, is to get to uh, to paper ballots again, mm-hmm. where you go into the poll, you go into the precinct, and you vote. You show them your ID, you vote, and uh, and that ballot stays with uh, with the envelope, or that ballot stays, you know, in the hands of whoever it stays with. And uh, that's the only way we're going to fix this thing. I'm I'm I don't want to see this happen again, and I want to get rid of the the uh, you know the aura of uh, of the elections were stolen, whether it be Democrat, Republican, we've got to get past this. We got to fix this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our previous guest, we were we were talking about this also, and frankly, I said and if said from the start, you really only need to do two things to secure the election, and you just hit on it. One, you need to have one hundred percent voter ID. Yep. Period. One hundred percent voter ID. Yep. And then two, you need to take the machines out of the process. Yep. Uh, yep. I mean, if it's. Uh, you know, the left screams, uh, you know, disenfranchising voters and all that. But I can guarantee you it's all it's all about priority. And, uh, you know, if you had a million dollar check and you had to go waiting for you down at a precinct, you had to go show ID to get that check. You would be down there whether you have to walk or crawl or whatever. <laughs> um, so it's all about priority. If voting's a, a priority for you, then you will go to that poll and you will show an ID and you will vote. You know, Anthony, as you know, the work that Chuck and I do in a lot of states involves a lot of canvassing, a lot of signature gathering, these kind of things. We hire people who are, you know, otherwise unemployed, who are looking for some part-time work. These are not, you know, I mean, these these are, are generally very poor people. Right. And I got to tell you, obviously, because we follow the employment law, we require an ID, right? We have to right. have an ID right. that we, we get a cop. I have never, and I've worked in like 25 or 30 states at this point. Right. I've done these things. I have never once had anyone except in one case, and that person had just gotten out of jail. Right. And and they weren't eligible to work for us anyway. So that's the only time in all these years that I've ever encountered someone who didn't have or couldn't get an ID. That's just a ridiculous argument. It's a ridiculous argument on a number of fronts. I mean, you need an ID to buy a plane ticket. You need an ID to... You know, to get unemployment benefits, you need to, you know, to vote. I mean, that is the number one, you know, like you had said earlier, if we if we lose our elections, if we don't have trust in our elections, we are a banana republic. Yeah. And yeah. if America goes, the world goes. Absolutely. So we've got to push this through. And uh, voter ID, I think the, the polls show that, what, 70 percent of the voters out there support voter ID. Yeah, absolutely. So we got to right. quit listening to the lying media and we got to quit... Uh, listening to the you know the the screaming socialist communist democrats and we've got to push forward voter id laws now speaking of lying media because you have been hit with an awful lot of lies in the media as of late right (laughs) hey Uh, you know you're over the target when you get hit by the media yeah no it's a it's a good place to be if you actually have values and principles you do Um, and and you know what let me expand on that but that alone values and principles uh, it really will keep you, you know, keep you facing the wind um, when that when that hits. And so, if you are, if you're a politician out there and you don't have values and principles, uh, you, you know, whether if you ever get hit by the media, um, you know, you 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 you're going to fall. Yeah, uh, Donald Trump was one guy that uh, when I got hit, I looked at him. I said, I'm not getting hit like him. Nope. So he was kind of my, you know. My, my, my mentor, I guess. And, uh, yeah. Well, I think, so you know, hit. 
I think one of his great values was he served as a guide star for a lot of Republicans and a lot of conservatives who were afraid to stand up and stand in the face of this Absolutely. coordinated media onslaught. Absolutely. And and we've got to overcome that fear. I get it. Nobody likes to be hit by the media because the average voter out there doesn't understand. But I think one, one thing Donald Trump did do is he exposed the media. He exposed a lot of this. And I think right now, I would say uh, there's a large percentage of voters out there that that uh, look at the media as being uh, uh, politicized and, uh, you know, they have an agenda. And I would say that probably is 90 percent of them. You know, you look at look at our own media, look at Bram Resnick. Bram Resnick, he won't stand for the flag. You know, he calls uh, uh, Carrie Lake, who's running for governor. Um, you know, he, he's after her. Why? Because she stands for principle and integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not supporting Carrie Lake but <clears throat> at this time, but I, I am saying that, you know, when you stand for truth and principle, uh, the, the lying media hate that. And that's why they hated Donald Trump so much. That's why they still hate Donald Trump. And why and they, like why they have gone after you as well. Yeah, they have. Yep. Um, but you know what? It makes you stronger. And, uh, uh, you know, the first hit is kind of rough, but... But it makes you stronger, and after a while, it's like, bring it on. Yeah, the, I don't care who you, who you guys are. i got to tell you, the first time someone straight up called me a racist, I, my skin was crawling. Right. You know, right. But, but I know myself, and just like you right, do. Right, you know yourself, absolutely. And look at what's happening. You know, you mentioned the term racism. You know, one, I'm married to a, uh, a lady from Honduras. That's one. I guess <laughs> I've never been hit with racism necessarily. But uh, but look what they're doing to Larry Elder. Look what look at the difference between Larry Elder, who is a black Republican running for to recall Governor Newsom over there in California, mm-hmm. and that white lady with the gorilla face. Right. Where's that in the media? Oh, the L.A. Times ran a story about that today, and they did include the details in the body of the story. But if you looked at the headline in the photo, the photo looked like Larry was slapping some random white woman, and the headline right. was. Elder confronts, I think it was something like Elder confronts hostile crowd. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, what are right, we right. But if that would have been about? Donald Trump, oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, the, the, the bias in the media is so blatant that, uh, and they are the real reasons why you see, you know, this election integrity issue, you see it very polarized. Now, I do believe. Probably a lot of Democrats out there want election integrity. And that's why we cannot look at CNN and Fox News and all that and base our, our opinions on what they're saying because they're, they have an agenda. We've got to be principled. We've got to fight this through whether we feel we are the, uh, the lone ones fighting. I can guarantee you we're not. There's a, there's a boatload of people out there, Democrats and Republicans, that, that believe in election integrity, believe in our nation. You know, I mean, look at our troops, our military. They, they don't care if they're Democrat or Republican. If they're under assault, and they're going to, you know, they're going to fight for each other. They're going to fight for our nation. So the media is the ones that polarize us, and we've got to quit listening to them. You know, I've, I've always said, Anthony, that you have 15 percent of people on either end of the spectrum who are, are out there, right? Uh, whether you're talking about the extreme left or the extreme right, you have some people who are a little nuts. The problem is those nut jobs are our mainstream media. It's insane. And Broken Potholes, coming back with Anthony Kern in just a moment. Thank you for tuning in.
the new year and time for a new you. You've thought about running for political office, but don't know where to start. Before you start any planning, you need to secure your name online with a yourname.vote web domain. This means your constituents will know they are learning about the real you when they surf the web. Secure your domain from GoDaddy.com today. Welcome back to Broken Potholes. If you're listening to this segment, you are listening on our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Substack. Look for Broken Potholes. Tune in. We've got great guests every single week and just getting better and better. Although I, I, I feel like I'm getting worse at this job. I don't know how that goes. Uh, but Anthony Kern on the line with us right now. Uh, you are running for the Arizona State Senate, but you yeah. have taken a lot of heat this year. Because mm-hmm. you went out to support the president on January 6th. You yes. went to D.C. to do that. Yes. And that, that has allowed the media to spawn all sorts of ridiculous conspiracy theories. Sure. I mean, they are, they are really tinfoil hatting this thing as far as they can go. And, and yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that day and what, you know, why you were there, what you saw. Because, quite frankly, I feel like you have been one of the people who has been the most mistreated in all of this. Yeah. So let, let me. Yeah. You oh. weren't you weren't there to lead an insurrection, right? No. 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 That term insurrection that's that's ridiculous. It's a joke. Uh, that, that, that's either being used. Uh, you know, in my opinion, the real insurrection is the the lying media. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to overturn this country for whatever reason. They have their hands in the uh, the Chinese pot. So the real insurrection is the lying media. Um, but that being said, January sixth was a great event. Uh, over one and a half million people were there. Uh, I've never been to an event where there were so many American patriots there waving American flags, waving Trump flags. And, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been to D.C. many times, and there was, uh, there was just a sea of people. Uh, I remember trying to take pictures of it on my phone. And, uh, and it was just impossible to get the, the, the you know, what, what was really going on there as far as the crowd side. Uh, so, you know, Trump spoke, as you all know. He spoke a very well uh, a speech at, uh, I forget the name of the park, but he spoke. And, um, you know, we were in the VIP section and we, you know, it was just a, an amazing day. We, none of us had any idea that an orchestrated you know, event would be happening at the Capitol. But I can tell you this, uh, the January 6th commission is nothing but a phony, biased political commission, and they're going to give whatever they want to give and put that out in the public, and the media is going to lap it up because that's what the media does. They lap up lies and distortions and try to keep us at, you know, at odds with each other. Uh, but, uh, But I can tell you, on that day... You know, there was some real weird things going on. The biggest thing was, is if you have uh, a million and a half people, and some estimates are more than that, two million, in one location, you would think that you're going to have a little bit better police security. Anthony, and, I, 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 I want to hit on that point because I yeah. went on that day and I talked to the police commander at the city of Phoenix, who's liaison to our office, and yeah. I asked him straight up, 
would this have happened in the city of Phoenix or would you have had the controls in place that that would not have been possible? And he didn't hesitate one second. He said, there is no way that would have happened right. if it was here, period. Right. right. And and if you remember that some of the media reports out there, which said these are the good media that reported the truth, were saying that I think several police agencies in the area uh, were asking if he wanted their help and they were turned down. Now, as we all know, Nancy Pelosi is in charge of that area. So this was all a rigged uh, rigged uh, uh, event he as far them as the... Open the gates and let people in, and most of the people, I mean... You they had, were opening the gate. Yeah, yeah. There, were no, there were no barriers. So there were no barriers that I saw around the Capitol. Uh, um, you know, and so what happened... Let, let me just give you kind of my timeline. So we were there the day before... Uh, and I want to say this, too. There were moms and grandmas and dads and grandpas pushing strollers. These were Americans. These were Americans that loved our country, that loved our president. And on January 6th, we were hoping that all we wanted Pence to do was to give it back to the several states and say, OK, we have half the nation thinking this was stolen. Look at it and decide on what you want to do. But we need to, to look at what happened the night uh, in November, election night in November. That's all we wanted. That's all we were asking. And uh, as you know, you know, Pence didn't do what I think. He didn't do the right thing, and he did not give it back to the states. And therefore, we have all the turmoil we have now about the election office. But back on January 6th, uh, Trump spoke. The crowd was so massive that it took a good, after he got done, which was about one thirty. It took a good another hour to get from, uh, I think it was Eclipse Park or Ellipse Park, to get from there to the White House or to the uh, the Capitol. Now it was our impression that there was going to be a stage set up that we're going to have speakers, uh, you know, and and we're going to just call on on Vice President Pence to to uh, give it back to the states to just hold off on certifying the the presidential election. Uh, I do have, I do know people that were at the Capitol at the very beginning. So while Trump was still speaking, I do know people that had went from the Washington Monument uh, because they wanted a good seat. They wanted a good row, uh, um, you know, view. Mm -hmm. So they went to the Capitol first. And I can tell you what they tell me happened was there was uh, several, it was a crowd, they, there was a barrier there, the barrier is about up to your, you know, stomach or your chest, uh, uh, you know, just a typical little, you know, look like bike racks, actually. Yeah, well, they're, they're, the, they're the kind of barriers that we don't use to keep people out of places, but our police right. will use actually to funnel crowds, you know, into yeah, like exactly. the entrance to a, a, a you know, a, a yeah, hall yeah. or whatever it is. But right. these these are not well, crowd control, they're, they're just... Guide right. posts. So I can tell you what 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 I was told because I wasn't there, but what I was told was that there were police at the on, I think on the third tier, uh, on the third tier, and there was people in black, kind of a black um, outfit or whatever, fully covered. Uh, that these people, once the crowd got got a little bit big. There, there was nobody breaking down any barriers. They were all just chanting USA and Trump and all that. Nobody got out of line until the police or whoever these people were started shooting tear gas into the crowd. No reason at all. They started shooting tear gas into the crowd. 
and they uh, instigated the crowd because the crowd's like, what are you doing? We're Americans. What are you doing? Nobody's hurting anybody. Uh, the people that had told, told me this, um, there was a, a, like an 80-year-old guy next to them. He got hit with one of these canisters, and he was severely injured. And they tried helping him, and these, these cops kept doing that. And and that's kind of what roused the crowd up from what I was told. Again, I was not there. You know what happened. Go ahead. You, well, you to me because obviously we dealt with the, you know the rioting here in Phoenix, which was shut down yeah. pretty quickly by our, our Phoenix sure. Police Department. But you look at yep. what went on around the country. You look at the way the police treated those events, where they're right. burning down police stations. They're you know attacking yep. people in right. federal buildings, right? And 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 really trying to kill. Right, and they were trying to kill cops. They were yeah. burning down. Yeah, I'm from many. I'm, I mean, I'm from Minnesota originally, and, and Minneapolis. You, you all saw what happened there. Now, now they're letting these criminals go. Right. Uh, yeah. Again, it's a it's a two tiered system, they're, and uh, they're prosecuting you know, grandmas they, who walked into the Capitol looking around with right. wonder. <laughs> right, and shooting Ashley Babbitt, and I don't know if we still know that. Don't know that cop's name. I don't know the cop's name. I haven't heard any reports of what that. And I'm a police officer. So I'm a certified law enforcement officer right now. And, you know, anytime you shoot anybody, there's got to be justification. There's going to be an investigation and your name's going to be released. Uh, but we don't know the name of this cop that did that. And, uh, you know, whether he be he or she be justified or not, you know, you have an unarmed woman uh, that, that, that is dead today because, uh, because of, you know, uh, of, of the setup. I believe it was a setup uh, at the Capitol. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, so, be- before we go today, I, I want to yeah. uh, make sure you have a chance to share your website and how people can get sure. a hold of you, how they can follow you. Uh, yeah. And then I want to ask you one last question, which is, sure. if you're elected to the Arizona State Senate, what is your number one priority? What are you doing day one? What are you trying to get done? Yeah. Well, thank you. And that's a great question. Uh, I've been asked that since I got into the legislature. So my website is votekern.com, V-O-T-E-K-E-R-N. Dot com. Uh, my name is Anthony Kern, and uh, you know I am running in Legislative District 20 right now, and we'll see what how that changes with the maps coming out. So the number one, you know, I've been asked that for years since I've been in the legislature. What is the number one priority down there? And I really think the number one priority for me is is killing, stopping uh, bills, and stopping legislation because I've never had a. You know, I've never had, a, oh, this is what I want to accomplish. I want to get rid of law. I want to get government out of our pocket uh, and, and, and give freedom back to Arizonans and to Americans. Now, I know that sounds, you know, that sounds, uh, you know, uh, uh, glamorous and all that, but really that's what I've been doing mm-hmm. down there for the past uh, six years. Now, that's important is, uh, work. I was real... That's important work with the I'm... government that governs best, governs least. Right. I mean, where are the bills that repealed a lot of laws? I've tried to do that several times and got shot down by Republicans. Um, I was rules chair for two years, and I got more flack from the Republicans in the legislature than any of the Democrats. Uh, you know, it was it was it's amazing how the Republican and you know, and I'm a Republican, but we 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 stand on conservatism, we stand on less government, all that, but we incrementally. Uh, expand government, give power to unelected bureaucrats. And, and, and that's what I stopped for two years. And I really believe that's probably one reason why I did lose in the 2020 election was because because I was rules chair for two years. And, you know, as rules chair, an average average number of bills you stop as rules chair are about 10. 
Well, I had up to 87 that I had stopped. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they weren't happy with that. And, and I got that. But again, if you stand on principle and your convictions, who you are as a conservative, like Andy Biggs and Paul Gosar, look at these two fighters out there. You know, they stand on principle, on constitution, on, on philosophy, on freedom. Fighting, when is, the wind fighting comes, isn't easy. Yeah. Expanding government it is. It isn't. Right. And yeah. I, you're right. I mean, that's very well put. And so, so my goal is to, you know, push election integrity. And, that, and let me just add on to that if you've got a minute. Election integrity. I love these candidates that stand up and say, I voted for this. And, yeah, we got this bill through. And, yeah, we got, I voted for this election integrity bill, blah, blah, blah. Where were you? Uh, how, where are you on this fight in Maricopa County? Yeah, they're hiding. Where are you in the fight with Donald Trump? If you're silent, I don't care how many election integrity bills you voted on. If you're silent or are silent, uh, I'm going to think twice. And that is the final word. Anthony Kern, I want to thank you so much for being on the program with us today. Really a pleasure to have you on there. Uh, Give us your website again real quick. VoteKern.com. And uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate the voters out there. And uh, keep fighting, America. We're going to win this thing. Absolutely. Broken Potholes, back next week. The 2020 political field was intense, so don't get left behind in 2021. If you're running for political office, the first thing on your to-do list needs to be securing your name on the web with a yourname.vote web domain from godaddy.com. Get yours now.